the many martial artists, entrepreneurs, dreamers, and thinkers, how often, for your own sake, would you love a symbolic reminder of your mentality and the perfect dichotomy to match? Murder Nerd is an independent clothing apparel line that represents the sharp, relentless focus towards personal growth and athletics. It embodies the vitality of their creative owners and the network of people who run on the same frequency. Why not elevate your frequency in comfort and style? Visit www.MurderNerdsFitness.com for their personal line of shirt and hat wear. Enter the promo code SAGAS, S-A-G-A-S, for 10% off your purchase. Again, visit MurderNerdFitness.com and enter the promo code SAGAS for 10% off your purchase. In a world where calmness is hard to come by, and the realities of how it benefits our physical and mental being, why would we continue to not prioritize it? Many have now discovered the benefits of CBD towards their optimal well-being, and the Healing Rose Company have become one of the leaders in breaking the obstacles that stand in the way of achieving your highest, healthiest self. Whether it's in soothing your thoughts towards circumstances, or recovering from an active lifestyle, the Healing Rose has some of the highest quality ingredients in their products throughout the industry. They are organic, handcrafted cannabinoid-infused body care made with 100% USDA-certified organic carrier oils, essential oils, butters, wax, and herbs. They've won many local awards for their high-quality practices and products. And as a local female-owned company, this is a brand everyone can get behind so that they can set the standard for how CBD can be cultivated, grown, and produced at the highest levels for customers from all walks of life. Browse the catalog at thehealingroseco.com and get 10% off your total purchase with the promo code SAGAS. Trust in this holistic approach for the betterment of your mind and body and support the Healing Rose CBD company. Again, for 10% off your total purchase, enter the promo code SAGAS at thehealingroseco.com. All right, thanks for checking in, guys. Uh, I wanted to expand on an idea that I had mentioned a while back on a different episode where I think I was talking about how, as of lately, now I kind of exclusively use certain things, certain uh, substances, whether it's cannabis or whatever, really as just kind of a tool to uh, try to address something that I think is bothering me. You know, I don't use any of these things kind of in a supplemental way. Um, I know a lot of people obviously do to kind of keep things at bay, whether it's pain, uh, typically anxiety, you know, some people use it for sleep. Uh, I don't even really microdose uh, mushrooms. You know, I, I tried that for a little while, and I don't know. I don't. I don't. I didn't get anything noticeable out of it. What I would, how I actually would use it, I would take 0.2 grams uh, before I went to bed. And for some people, it's a stimulus, so it would definitely get them a little wiry and kind of wake them up and all that. But for me, it was fine. I was like, great. I'll do it before I go to bed. And I used a certain protocol where you would kind of pulsate the, uh, the dose. 
take one, take two days off, and then take it on, uh, take it again on that third day, just to help with tolerance. But I really didn't get anything out of it. And I'm not sure really what that was. Um, nor am I really too curious, you know, that could be potency, that could be um, amount of dose. That could also be maybe that at those lower doses, it really, for me personally, only helps if maybe I had like a chronic um, issue opposed to maybe just a circumstantial issue. And circumstantial is in like, you know, you can have chronic depression, which is like a chemical imbalance or just a very heavy, heavily embedded kind of idea of self and how that connects to all these kind of existential problems that you perceive. Um, and also maybe just circumstantial, right? Something is bothering you in the moment and it's really heavy, but as things lift, so doesn't your mind. And... I didn't really find it, like I said, too beneficial. It's, it, it's not like I started taking it when I was in a low, like a low point. So I also didn't really notice any advancements on creativity or focus or, or anything like that. You know, and I would take it for a good month straight. But who knows, maybe I'll come back to it, find a different strain figure out how to really use it, figure out a good dose, whatever. And maybe just kind of uh, pay attention a little harder. You know, who, who knows? I can't, really, I can't really put my finger on what it was that, that, uh, that didn't help me, but maybe it's just my own attention to it. If I hyper-focused on really all these incremental shifts, then maybe I would see uh, something surface a little more at the end of that 30-day period. So anyways, yeah, I, I, I don't do any of those things. So, but what I have tried to embrace, and I think the only reason that I've embraced this idea of maybe macro dosing to then put myself in this space to be able to think, perceive, and maybe focus on an emotion or an idea, I think it comes from that experience that I had on that vacation a while back that allowed me to, um, or that gave me the environment to work through fear. I can now work on fear in the face of fear. And I didn't really want to put myself in the face of certain fears. Now for some context here that I think is important, um, you know, I've been at this for a while, and what at this is, I guess, uh, is the path to, I guess, understanding why I feel the way I feel, whatever that is, and whatever may come. And, you know, that path is full of, obviously, um, a, a lot of different methods that everybody uses, whether it's um, bouts of meditation, good conversation, pushing yourself into more heavy reading about um, your psychology um, and even things beyond that, you know, 
metaphysical kind of symbology that can really maybe shift your perception on your your own existential crisis by maybe detaching from it and seeing that you're you're actually something beyond those things so that you don't have to feel so owned by them but you kind of have to really sit in the belief that you are something outside of all those parameters or all those uh, all that stimulation you know and I've done this for for a while I'd say over Christ 10 15 years and the comical part of it you can see it as comical and you can also see it as deeply frustrating and I can see I can I, I, I can witness the reaction of being frustrated over feeling like you have a handle over something because of a practice that you've created and wondering how am I still falling into this place um, <clears throat> but I've kind of accepted that you you have to because if you don't the other end of that is kind of this uh, self-centered way of looking at the journey where well if I've gotten over this one thing through these tools I now have a grasp and now may consider myself a um, knowing of the proper utility thinking that you know more than what you know and for sure I have definitely fallen into that a few times but what reminds me or I guess what pulls me out of that is when you feel like shit again you're like wow I really don't have a handle so then you go back and you revisit kind of what you know and see if you can learn a little more because I find that I at least have to because things become almost more complicated. You know, the dynamics of a new problem are different than the last one. So then do you apply what you've learned from before into this and then does it work? Some things are very um, neutral. They may work in all of these circumstances, but the degree on how much you need to embrace that thing that you've learned onto the new lesson is or onto the new problem is kind of where the work has to has to happen because that new problem may feel more daunting and you'll tell yourself that the things you already know shit that might not that doesn't really help i really feel this one now and i guess to give you an example you know i you know, as of recently, you know, this is a very skeletal way of looking at this, but I kind of like map out kind of three arches of my, my, I guess, my journey, I guess. And these arches are kind of the up and down story of something very significant that is difficult. And in my life, and I'm sure with many lives, there are, there are tons of arches and they're much more extreme. And that's okay, right? That's, yeah, that's fine. Or some much less, doesn't matter. But I know storytelling and kind of laying these out like, like you know, stickers on a wall kind of help me in navigating these things, organizing this stuff. But the three arches for me were really, in the beginning... 
um, I guess you would call it um, neglect. The second arch was death. And the third arch is uh, illness. And I'm finding that all three of them kind of, they need their, they require some sense of, of uh, unique approach to it. Um, <clears throat> and I guess, luckily for me, but it also reinforces a little bit of the uh, distortion, I guess, towards my, my emotional problem solving, is that I have found a way to kind of iron out each arc and um, accept them and understand them for what they are. I guess kind of get over them in the proper way, not through neglect or just kind of uh, burying it so then it then manifests into some fucking dog shit behavior or destructive thing. But, you know, they all require a different thing. So as I've, through the neglect, what was born from that was just a, 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 a distorted sense of self, you know, the journey on, well, who am I? What is this? What have I done to, pro to project a false idea of what I think I am? And then now deconstruct that using the tools that I have to now give birth to what I actually am and, and address and mourn the person that actually had to go through that arc, that arch, that story of neglect and abandonment or whatever. And you're like, wow, wonderful. Okay, that's good. This is a, this is a feather in my cap. I've, I've, uh, I've been able to help myself in the process of acceptance, the process of um, having a, a much wider peripheral perspective on why maybe these things have happened. And some of these kind of come with maturity as you get older. You know, I'm not going to be able to have this at eight years old, five years old. That's obvious. You know, but the tools into understanding that, rebuilding yourself in a much healthier sense, letting go of these things that have attached to you to convince you of this uh, personality that you don't like, and knowing that none of those things need to stick, none of those things have to actually be permanent. Um, but that narrative is strong, right? The narrative that even brought you there is incredibly strong, especially when you're in a at a place where you're very, um, you're vulnerable and deeply impressionable. So, you know, you, I've told myself, I've carried that as kind of a, a positive thing. And, it, and it's still, obviously, like it's, it, it's weird how it works because as you kind of understand one thing, that new version of you is now more equipped for possibly the, the next thing. Because it never really stops. You just hope for breaks. You hope for kind of long-lasting plateaus. And it's, it, it is kind of magical how, how what you're equipped with now allows you to kind of uh, chisel away at the next thing. You don't realize it until you're kind of in, in, in the process. But, you know, at the same time, new challenges arise. There comes the second arch. 
you know, when death kind of hit my life in this really profound way, it, uh, some of the tools I had used, you know, they, they, they didn't help. It didn't, it, it was absent of this mechanism that needed to happen, which is the process of, of grief and what grief does and how it brings on forgiveness and, and all of those things. So then that elevates what you perceive as your abilities to cope, you know, and that's a hard one. Death is a, a very hard. And, um, you know, this is for another time and I don't want this to sound naive, but, you know, a, uh, the highest mind in myself maybe doesn't have to see death as something even difficult at all. But, you know, nothing I really can perceive right now. So I'm not going to really get into that. But you still feel, you know, you still feel that there is a, you've gained something even through the sense of death. You still mourn, you still grieve, you still have difficult moments uh, stepping in and out of maybe memories or, or anything like that. But in the end, you understand that you come out kind of a different version than you did before that. And there's a sense of gratitude towards that. You know? And... you'd like for that party to maybe still be here, but as you grieve and as you go through this, you know, you start to collect a little more knowledge of on, on the idea of like impermanence, you know, and acceptance and all that stuff. And there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to gain in that. It's very extreme. I think much of my, much of what I've decided to hold on to personality wise has kind of surfaced from the the uh, the dark age of death in my life. Um, so then, I live my life, and we keep going. And in that last, not the last, but that third kind of arc in the story so far is illness. And as many of you know, you know, I have. Um, I live with illness, not myself, but my wife, you know, day to day. And depending on the the severity and the degree of that illness, uh, it determines how and what you need to do to cope with it, to manage it, to understand it, while not being uh, feeling lost within it, or then again neglected within it. And I'd say that me personally, and, and I, 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 who knows, I'm going to say this, but I say this only from the point that I've gained a couple nuggets here and there from the last two arcs. Um, so... What I'm trying to say is this third arc feels like the heaviest, the hardest. And that's not to undermine 
the hardships that people have when they go through a death. Who knows, maybe I'm in this place of being ignorant because I'm just that much more separated from that death. Time has healed the wound, right? Time has also healed the wound on the identity crisis as a child. So it's easy for me to say that this thing is the hardest. When for many, maybe the, the former two are the hardest. I get where I'm coming from and I get how maybe that sounds. But for me right now, let's just pretend that it is the hardest. And it's the hardest because of the, the chronic dynamics that fold in and out of themselves on the day-to-day and the week-to-week. And it's a very, you know, not that I know what this feels like, but just to say it, it's a very bipolar uh, sense of uh, feeling contempt. Like, one day you're up, one day you're really down. The other day you're even further down. And then the next day you're even further up. And then everything in between that. And sometimes you plateau where you really don't want to be. And you don't know how long that's going to last. And then that compounds this um, this sense of having no control. And if you don't know what to do with that, if you don't know how to understand your control egoistic process it begins to blow up a sense of trauma and um, I guess so with all that being said you know that's the context as to why I guess I still continue the journey even with the things that I understand about myself and maybe just a little bit of what I understand in the common thread of human nature and how we just feel about things. Um, That there's still more to learn, there's still more to discover, there's still so much more actually latched on that you've convinced yourself that is not holding you anymore. So with that being said, you know, there there was a period a little while back where You know, things just felt heavy. You know that feeling. Where you're not, you're not yourself. And things just kind of feel that they're so out of your control that, you know, now you're just kind of riding on this roller coaster with no sense of when it's going to slow down, stop. When it's going to go upside down, go left, go right. And right. I get it. Let go and just let the ride happen. I understand these things too. I guess not very well, but I'm learning to. You know, this whole concept of just surrender to the fucking roller coaster, you know. And what's keeping you from surrendering. And I guess really that's what I'm leaning into here. So there was a, you know, a period that was heavy and, you know, it 
when things like that happen, something calls on me. I'm realizing this lately, that a thing is calling me to address it. And because whether it's whether it's this thing that I don't have time to address it um, and or also that I don't want to address it as much as I need to. Um, things can kind of go on and then they build up to a point where it's like, all right, this is it. Uh, it's time. And in doing so, I have to kind of face my fear because as of lately, I'm, I'm actually inundating myself with some of these plant medicines to, to venture further inward on a very scary roller coaster. So with this one, I don't even remember when this was. This might have been just a few months ago. I do not smoke cannabis at all. Uh, really like maybe just a little bit, maybe once a year. I, I almost can't even remember the last time I, I had done it before I did this. So because of that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to use that. You know, we're not going to use the hallucinogenic uh, mode this time. We're going to just try this. And really... It was a much harder decision for me to make that because cannabis scares the piss out of me. When I smoke, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about edibles. I stay away from those things. But when I smoke, it absolutely exacerbates something. This, this heavy unease that then just kind of... Um, weaponizes this whole experience for me and then just starts to to bash me you know it just beats me down so to do that in public or with friends no sir no way there's no point so in turn this actually required a lot more commitment from me and it was it was twofold it was let's use this to become hypersensitive to addressing something that's uh, been bothering me. What that is, God, it could be a multitude of things, you know, or sometimes I don't even know what it is, but you just get, you get this tension that builds up. You know what's building it up, but the point of resolution, you're just like, I don't know how to like scrape all of this off of me. But you commit to just putting yourself in a place to, to, to figure it out. But the twofold part was that I think I want to figure out the fear that I'm trying to look at, but then also the fear of the tool I'm using to look at the fear. Being scared of getting that high. What is that? This is just a plan. This is just a state of mind. It's okay. No one is scared of the police coming to your house. Like we've we've as a society you know for for the most part unless you still live in like old biblical days we're all very hip to the idea that this is a uh, like anything else a very useful medicine that you can also abuse no shit sherlock that's everything else so that paranoia is kind of like 
there's a generation that that paranoia is not even going to be built into it. You know, like I'm still of a generation where I remember when it was illegal. So when you did it and it was illegal, that was like half of your fear. Holy shit. Who's going to come crawling into my window to, for some reason, look at me and say, hey, Junior, you're high. Like, it's not going to happen. It never was going to happen. But it's definitely not going to happen now. So that's not there. So the, the, the unease and the fear, it's, it's double that now because I'm in this state. So what is that? What, what, what is the state now making me feel that's separate from the feeling that I'm trying to address um, and going into it? So needless to say, yeah, I was freaking out, but I was committed to, to doing this. So one night as everyone's gone, no one's even in the house. That's usually the case. You kind of have to wait till this perfect moment where I don't want anybody to witness this. That's either, you know, my wife or my daughter, like they don't need to be around for this. And it's just easier to do it that way too, because you, you know, everyone's gone. You can focus inward opposed to having your your paranoia tethered to the potential of somebody else in this house disrupting you or needing you, you know, that's my issue. Just who needs me? Well, I got to be on. Da, da, da. You don't have to be on. Be off. Um, so that was helpful. And what I decided to do was just, I bought um, like an eye mask and then some headphones that I have, noise canceling headphones. And I was going to take maybe two of, or three real big puffs and burn it too. And I know some of you understand that there's a, there can be a different high when it comes to eating it, um, vaporizing it, right? Using the cartridges and then also just burning it. And for me, just burning it, you putting it in a pipe, using a lighter and just taking a hit off of that is very abrasive. Um, you're going from one to 10 pretty quickly. And that's just kind of what I wanted. You know, I, I know the thing I need to be able to kind of peel and just pull down those bricks that I've built to look past this wall. And I don't like that. I have to go this extreme to kind of get to, to find this level of insight. And luckily I really don't have to do this that often. But when I do, you know, it's, this is the process that I kind of trust. Um, it feels paradoxical because you're fucking terrified while you do it. But that's, I think, the thing that I'm, I, I know that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to work through it in this terror state. So I get everything ready. It feels like everything else very... Um, you know, there's a tension in it, but there's also a deep respect and a, uh, you know, you almost kind of make, do a little prayer as you're getting ready. Like, all right, you're going to be all right. This will all be here when you come back. It will be okay. So, you know, I use some stuff that I, that I have that a very good friend of mine actually, uh, mailed to me like a year ago. This shit was still sticky and bright and beautiful, but I haven't touched it. To be honest, I haven't touched it. Because I just don't do this kind of stuff. I'm not a recreational smoker. But I was like, you know what? I have it. Might as well use the stuff that I got from 
a friend who's got a very warm heart and very supportive of me. So I'm like, all right, let's attach it to that. Let's let's layer the 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 the, uh, the sentiment in in all of this stuff. I like doing that. So I get it. I get it ready. I take one big puff. Boom. All right. Let's take two big puffs, and they were big. And I take that second one. And by then, I feel it. You know, whether you're lightheaded because of just kind of the breathing pattern in doing it. But I'm like, oh, shit. All right. I think that is, that's a good place to start. I haven't done this in a very long time uh, in this way. So it's like, I think this will serve me. (laughs) I don't know if I need to go for a, a third swing at this. You know, so I pack it away. Pet the dog, give him a little kiss, let him know I'll be back. Even though he came up and just kind of like laid next to me, really. So he was there the whole time. I get to my room. I throw the eye shades on. No, the, uh, the headphones on. And I just lay there and I just wait in silence. And man. It came on pretty pretty soon after it was pretty intense you know so intense that i needed uh a breather to in taking off the mask the mask was making it very difficult for some reason just the darkness i think it's a sense of like claustrophobia that i don't have at all i don't have that at all but you know i think that climb up was just uh dizzying enough where you just kind of needed to anchor yourself maybe perceptually a little bit you know and I, I but I tried to hold on like that was that was a, a really intense period right in the beginning in total darkness in that silence so I take off the mask you know I, I look at the ceiling because I'm in bed I, I look at the ceiling I try to gather myself all right we're okay and again, it's, I've, I'm learning how to navigate using that inner voice because that inner voice never feels totally influenced now, which is wonderful. And I think it's because I'm working from this place where that inner voice um, was, what would you say? It was willing and still coherent to take all of the bumps in that heroic dose that I took a while ago. So it's nice to know that that never uh, gets so rattled that it falls off the tracks. It's there to help, to support, and to kind of uh, talk you through it. As intense as it is, everything else is kind of falling apart around you, you know. My body is having a very heavy buzz it's like my, my mind is kind of the person with the lasso trying to corral all the cows um, in the field, which are kind of my emotions. My emotions are just like bumping into each other and going here and going there. But the mind is kind of sitting on the steed just like, all right, get over here. Yeah, you're, you're walking over here to kind of corral the group this way, corral the group that way. One of you needs to come with me. You're done playing, you know, lasso that motherfucker up. So I'm like, all right, that, that, that's familiar. That's good because I really need that, that voice right now. 
I can tell my heart rate my heart rate is starting to go up. I'm anxious. And I'm like, for what? For what? What is making you so anxious? Is this a physiological response to the actual stimulus? Or is this my mind going in a place that just um, doesn't like this sense of coming out of itself, right? Am I anxious because I'm losing control, so I need to let go? How do I calm myself down to then let myself go to then do some work? And uh, it was neat because I engaged in something that I th- that I think is a um, it mirrors possibly what I think children feel when they're upset and someone's there for them. And what I mean by that is like the inner voice started to say, "Hey." You're okay. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You're laying down. We're going to make it through this. You're okay. You're, you, you are enough. Like reinforcing this thing where it's like, we're going to do some work. You're going to be okay. You're a good person. You're here, you know? And this inner voice, I accompanied, I, 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 what I attached to that was also just patting myself on the chest. You're okay. It's like you're, it's like, it's trying to talk to the little boy who's freaking the fuck out over something that he just doesn't understand. He doesn't know what's going on. And it actually really helped. I could feel, this is a, this, this was a very out of body thing because I could, something in me took so much comfort in my own voice talking to me like it wasn't mine. So somehow I had control over the part that needed to calm down the other part of me that was falling apart. And I could feel that synergy. I could feel uh, that process happening. And it was wonderful. It felt good. I felt what what it really boiled down to was this is how you give yourself self-love and this is how you can actually viscerally feel it. By telling yourself your own, your own, I would call it objective truth, that you're loved and that you're okay and that you are here for yourself in this process. And somehow that flavor of conversation really calmed me down. I was still riding a roller coaster, but it brought down the heart rate, it, it, it brought down a lot of things where then I can now start to ask some questions. What was that about? What, what is it that, that, you're, that gives you this feeling that your body just wants to run away from this experience? What is this? All right, so we're breaking this up. That was episode one. We'll do episode two uh, on the next one. I just kind of had to split this up just because it's exhausting listening to somebody rant about their beef with themselves. So, you know, we'll break it up a little bit. So there's episode one.